Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Wow. Brian S., you are a uh, devoted listener to the show. Because I have not mentioned Dan Baker from Pub 1905 for at least a month. And Brian goes, Bob, wow, your best friend looks like Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse. Uh, Roadhouse and you were Tom Cruise back in the day. Tough crowd. I thought me and my buddies were the wheels. <laughs> and then he adds, because uh, we just talked about Wayne Gretzky appearing in the young and the restless is Wayne from the Edmonton operation. Bob, you're right. I can't believe Wayne went back to hockey after that appearance. Well, I thought he should have received an Emmy for best guest appearance in a soap opera. Do they have an Emmy for that? I'm not sure about that. Anyhow, uh, he is a star in his own right. He's known a lot of stars and worked with a lot of super talented people. As we head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, we welcome back to the show our NHL insider, John Shannon. Hello, John. How are you doing? If Wayne didn't win the Emmy, because there is daytime Emmys for those kind of shows, does that yes. mean I have more Emmys than he does? How many Emmys do you have? One. What did you get it for? 2002 Salt Lake Olympic Winter Games. <laughs> I did not. I did, you've, you know what? You've never brought that up before. Like we've had literally hey, hundreds listen, of... If I, have more tro- if I have more trophies than Gretzky, i got to tell you. That is awesome. So, is, what, what, now, what was the actual uh, title of the Emmy that you won for the 2002 Olympics? Best live sporting event. I was part of the NBC crew that did uh, all the hockey. I directed all the hockey for NBC in Salt Lake City in 2002. Good for you. That is, ser- and, and that shows a lot about your personality, John. <laughs> like you've never what, what, did I that I brag about it or what? You don't brag about it at all. You've never brought it up. We've had you on hundreds of times over the last three years, yeah. and we've had oh, no. at least that many separate conversations. I now I know why you picked up the bill that one time in Buffalo three years ago. <laughs> The, the, the words, the words, one time were the only thing that were wrong about that. I think it was probably more than one time. Oh, it's been more than one time. All right, hey, uh, and this is the sort of thing, you know, you, it's it's funny the the text message response on the Ashley Five Floors text line. I asked that trivia question, you know, what soap opera did Wayne Gretzky appear in? We had like hundreds of texts in a span. It like people jumped in, and, and now I got guys texting me. I used to love this show, and I used to love like. You know, and they're they're very partial to specific shows, and it says a lot about maybe where they were at in their lives and if they were going to school and that sort of thing. And you know, people that are younger are going, "What do you guys? You used to watch soap operas during? Did you? Was there ever a soap opera that you used to watch at all, John?" I was a YNR guy. You know, we used to go, and, and, it's, and it probably had to do with the Oilers. But I'll tell you what, and I was single at the time, so I can get away with this. The women on soap operas in the 80s were gorgeous. You know, and uh, it was, a, and, and, and you usually had time in the afternoon. 
You'd go to the morning skate. You'd go back. You'd have uh, you'd have lunch, and you'd watch uh, Young and the Restless, and then you'd go. Then you'd go back to the rink. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a lot of it had to do with the Oilers, and, the, and we were all uh, the guys on the club. We were all about the same age, and so we would end up talking about the same things. But yeah, no, no, I was. I was I was a uh, I was a YN uh, a YNR guy. But, well, there was. But I will tell you though. I will tell you what though. Meg Ryan was on as the world turns. Yes. And I had a tough time when it, when Meg Ryan was on As the World Turns. I might have been an As the World Turns guy. Well, we open up today with St. Elmo's Fire because it's John Parr's birthday and talked a bit about Rick Hansen and the Man in Motion Tour because that's the real yeah. lyrics that were written yeah. behind that song, as you know. And uh, and then that got us into a conversation about because St. Elmo's Fire was critically panned for the most part, had all the Brat Pack in, and it, the genesis of the conversation turned into best 1980s movies and that kind of led us to and and so do you have a couple uh uh for you that i have i have i have three but uh and one is a one is a specific probably more because of the industry i'm in but i mean how could you not go with back to the future right how could you how could you not go with et and then my favorite was broadcast news because broadcast news was, you know, behind the scenes of the the industry that we were that we were in, and they they took a little bit of license with it, but uh, it was damn good. Was Albert Brooks in broadcast news? Albert Brooks was ended up stealing broadcast news from Holly Hunter. Absolutely. And the gist was that he was what was he super nervous to appear in front of the camera? Was that the deal? That was, yeah, he was he was a reporter. He was great doing the features. He wanted to be the anchor because that's where all the stardom and the money is. And every time uh, every every time he got on the air to anchor the news, he got the sweats. Right. And William Hurt and William Hurt was the other guy in the show, and and he was he was really uh, he was not that smart, but he was good looking and uh, he could carry the part. And he was the classic simple anchorman. Was it William Hurt in a movie with Kathleen Turner, where she, where she Wasn't said body body heat body heat, and she said to him, "I like my men stupid." I think that was a line in that movie because she was obviously a femme fatale in that movie. Uh, so how how about this? Kathleen Dif- Turner and, and Kathleen Turner in the nineteen eighties was absolutely gorgeous. Yes. Yep. Uh, I just want to circle back here, uh, back to broadcast news. What was the one with What was the one with Peter Finch, where he won an Academy oh, Award in the seventies? That was That was the seventies. That was um, Network. Oh, Network. And that was That was shot in Canada, for the most part. Most of the interior scenes were shot here in Toronto, at CFTO, the CTV affiliate, uh, here in Toronto. Uh, and it was written by a, a, a guy named Patty Chayefsky, and I was at university at the time, and we got a preview two months before the movie went into release. We got a preview uh, viewing of the of the movie, and it was shocking to think where they thought TV was going, like reality shows and, and, and scandal. Like, uh, Chayefsky was so far ahead of his time, it was ridiculous. Yesterday was the birthday for Gord Lightfoot, he's 82, and we were talking about a couple of his songs, one of which appeared in Paperback Hero, 
There was Face-Off in 1971, Paperback Hero in 73, and they were both uh, produced and backed by John Bassett. Uh, who passed John away as John, John, John Bassett Jr. Right, John Bassett Jr. I'm assuming right. you you knew him. Is that right, John? Uh, I know he. I knew his son. I knew the third. Uh, okay. John Bassett. John Bassett three and I worked together at CTV. Um, I did. I I, I I used to go to WHA Toro games. Uh, at the gardens, uh, and when John ran and owned that, the Toronto Toros, well, the Oilers were in the WHA, the Toronto Toros were there, and uh, we, I would see him. But remember, the Bassett family um, were a massive media company here. They owned, the, as a family, they owned the Toronto Telegram. They were one of the primary owners of the CTV network for a time, and for a time owned a portion of the Toronto Maple Leafs which is why they were able to produce that face-off movie with Billy Duke. Right. Uh, Art Hindle starring as Billy Duke. And that was done by the guys that uh, was the, the Leafs ownership that actually produced the movie and John Bassett Sr. Uh, being part of it. Was that partially based on Jim McKenney? Was that the theory behind the player? Well, Jim, what, the, well, the, the, it, what happened was that they, Art Hindle was fascinating. Art Hindle was the actor. He looked like McKenney. Uh, and and Jim wore 18, so they made they made uh, Hindle's character Billy Duke wear 18. But in junior hockey, uh, he was uh, fashioned after Dennis Potvin. And the footage in the movie early on of the '67, okay, uh, is is of Dennis Potvin. Wow, because I mean that movie came out in '71, and Potvin was number one in what '70. Four, Four. seventy-four, seventy-four. Yeah, I was so. Uh, yeah, it was just a kid then. Yeah, no, it was, it, was fa- it was a fascinating movie. I mean, you know, they used uh, they had uh, cameos by George Armstrong in the movie. I think Shaky Walton might have been in it as well. Yeah, um, yeah, and Dennis. And for people that are unaware, uh, by the way, seventy-three for Potvin. Seventy-four wasn't that yeah. the guy out of Regina? Was that Greg Jolly? Greg Jolly. Yeah. Greg yeah. 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 Interesting stuff. By the way, I bumped into Marty Forbes. Uh, he just wanted to pass along. As you know, Marty, longtime Edmonton-based uh, uh, yeah. broadcaster and senior executive, and he's a big fan of your segment, so I just want to put a shout-out for that. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, we have some discussions going on. Going, let's switch focus. And this has been this has been awesome. Having some fun on sort of the broadcast industry and the movie and the sort of interlay in between the two. Just before I do, how many times when you how many times when you produced a game, did you work something unique like Wayne from the Edmonton operations that appearance by Wayne Gretzky uh, on the Young and the Restless? That's an automatic. You were going to work that into the narrative of the game or the fabric of the broadcast at some point, weren't you? I don't think I was that creative. Um, I, I don't remember doing that. We, I tell you what, we had so much fun with the players. Um, you know, we and the Edmonton Oilers uh, were at a time when the relationship that television had with the players was. We were almost on the same team. I mean, I remember every night, home or road, three or four players. Uh, would be asked to come into our studio to do certain things, whether it was a statement, whether it was to do the next game promo, whether it was to, uh, to, to do an interview. And they were so cooperative, and it was so easy. And then there was also another group of guys that if they didn't play or were scratched for the night because of injury, 
they would watch the game from the TV mobile. They wouldn't go and, you know, this was before they would actually work out for the whole game in, in right. weight room watching the game or go to the press box. They would they would literally sit on the back deck of the TV mobile and watch from us, from, from the game. And they were shocked how much energy and how much emotion we had for the game and how we produced it. To the point where after the morning skate, if I was walking out of the rink and a player ran up to me, I knew he was asking permission to come and watch the game in the truck. And I, it's something that Glenn Sather actually put in their mind, saying, hey, listen, if you have an idea of, of all the people that are involved in the game, you should go watch it from there every once in a while. And a lot of guys did. I mean, Kevin Lowe didn't play for a playoff game in 1985 against the uh, L.A. Kings. And Kevin watched the whole playoff game, including Glenn Anderson's overtime goal from the TV truck. Well, uh, as you know, I did Font Court and stats, and the night that George LaRock fought Tony Twist... Five minutes after the fight's over, Tony Twist, I'm I'm in the St. Louis truck. He comes down and sits right next to me and sits and watches yeah. the rest of the game in the truck. Like yeah. the heavyweight yeah. champ yeah. of the NHL at that time. Different time at a different place. It was you know, they you know and it was a, it was the easy part of the older arenas too, Bob. The new arenas now it's you know it's, right. it's like going to the Pentagon, you know, and certain areas are cordoned off and you need a security pass here and there and uh, it's not what it was. I mean, I don't want to lament it because the game is better and the arenas are spectacular. But uh, the interpersonal relationships that you had with players in the 70s and 80s and 90s when I was producing and being around the game are totally different than what you have now. Yeah, no question about that. All right, let's get to NHL and NHLPA discussions. I'm just going to reread a, a tweet of a guy that uh, you occasionally do some things with. Uh, Nick Kiprio saying uh, today that the NHLPA had an executive board call, or they're having an executive board call in about 15 minutes, John. 80 to 100 players expected to take part. Uh, included will be the news that uh, Larry Brooks of the New York Post released last night. Uh, Twitter did not take that one down, by the way. Uh, the NHL wanting to renegotiate economic terms of a four-month-old agreement. Uh, some hint of the possible threat of an NHL-canceled season if changes aren't met. Now, we've had uh, our guy that really knows the numbers, and that's Hart Levine from Pockpedia, sort of explain the additional 13% deferral. This is a real situation, and it's a hurdle that needs to be overcome between the players and the league, isn't it? It is. Um... You know, and, I, and a lot of it is based on, I think, the pushback that the owners gave, have given uh, the commissioner and Bill Daly over the last week after their call last week, uh, that there was, there's no appetite uh, to pay, you know, 100%, 72% of salaries if there's nobody in the building. Uh, and uh, you know these 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 owners are not in a position to be be paying that kind of money at this point, and that was the message I think that, that Gary has been given. At the same time, um, from a player's perspective, and the, the number that you have heard, that 72% was in the the MOU between the two sides this summer when they got the four-year extension. Um, but there are some mitigating factors in this. There's a certain clause in a standard player's contract that says the players should be played pro rata based on games. So does that supersede the MOU? Some people say yes, some people say no. Uh, and, um, and then there, there 
comes the magic word of hockey-related revenue. The players are supposed to receive 50% of hockey-related revenue. Well, if hockey-related revenue is down $2.5 billion, players aren't going to get you know their regular salaries it just doesn't make any sense and and that's i think that's the, the that's the moment we're at right now i'm you know i'm not a number cruncher but i think that there's at a certain point going to be some common sense that prevails between the two sides uh and, and you know what bob i not to beat a dead horse you and i talked about this in the spring in referring yes. to baseball this is yep. exactly the same we said that this would occur in december with hockey when there's a new season at stake. And we were criticizing baseball, we were criticizing the owners for being cheap, we were consider, uh, you know, we were criticizing the players for being selfish. This is identical, identical to the scenario that we saw in Major League Baseball in the spring. The only difference, John, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, is we're talking way less television money in hockey than there is in baseball. Is that not correct? We're talking way less money everywhere in hockey than baseball period right Right. and in fact we're going to see players over the next i'm led to believe over the next two or three days in major league baseball we're going to be some we're going to see some surprising players not having options getting picked up and that sort of thing this is a very i mean it's (laughs) the market is a precarious time it's a precarious time not just in sports but in life Absolutely. <laughs> this is where, and, and this is where you know we you know we tend to be a little myopic about the sports world we live in, but this is happening everywhere, in every country, on every continent right now because of the pandemic. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's it's you know we can sit here and talk about it and say well this and that, but you know what? Hey, you, you know people are suffering. People are suffering on so many different levels for so many things. And this is just one of those issues. And if and if we have multi-billionaires thinking they're suffering, owning owning teams, and multi-millionaire players thinking they're suffering for not getting paid their full amounts, you know what? Sometimes there needs to be a reality check. Well, John, just to put in things in perspective, Daniel Smith, who, as you know, ran for uh, you know the provincial leadership when she headed up the Wild Rose Party. Spoke I haven't been today. invited on that show yet. Yeah, well, you might be get invited at some point. Uh, so. she's, she's, so. she, she spoke today on her show. I, I was driving back from a meeting with somebody earlier today and talked about the, at what point do we get to where, you know, the private sector has been crushed in Alberta, where the public sector that's making a lot of the decisions, you know, whether maybe there has to be a rollback there as well. And you could just imagine the venom out there for that perspective with some, depending upon how, what side of the ledger you fall on. But the bottom line is, I think you used the term common sense. And I think all of this, all of this circles back to common sense at some point. And if they've been listening to us for the last uh, 20 minutes, John, on a, on a lot of our segments, we don't always have the most common sense. But hey, thanks for having a common sense conversation with us today. Thanks. That's John from our Toronto operation joining us in Oilers now. Thanks a lot, John. It's John Shannon. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Our NHL insider, John Shannon, Mondays and Wednesdays on Oilers Now. On Oilers Now. On Oilers Now. On uh, Oilers Now. He is our headliner for Touchback Safety. When it's time for safety training, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. Hey.
If your family's been affected by COVID, if your business has been affected by COVID, my heart goes out to you. Uh, we all got to work together to try to uh, get through things carrying forward. And people are allowed to have a difference of opinion on how they see things uh, being done and how they think they should be done carrying forward as well. That's just the inevitability and the reality of the situation. Just before we get into this day in Oilers history, Royal Pizza, Pizza uh, pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation, Mediterranean chicken. And Brendan Escott is a Houston Texans fan, so of course he goes with the Texans, which I've tried. I like it. It's good. It's different, right? Ranch uh, dressing is the sauce. There you go. It's, it is. There you go. Well done. All right. This Dan Oilers history, what do you got for us? Back in 2006, in a rematch of the first round of the previous year's playoffs, the Oilers down the Detroit Red Wings 4-3 at Rexall Place, thanks to two-point games from Rafi Torres and Joffrey Lupul. Dwayne Rollison stopped 38-41 of 41 in regulation and overtime. Torres scored the shootout winner in a seven-round thriller. Joffrey Lupul and Rafi Torres. Going back uh, to the state in 2006, Lupul got moved at the end of that season uh, with Jeff Sanderson to the Philadelphia Flyers. No, sorry, Lupul got moved with Jason Smith, the Oilers' captain. Uh, let's rephrase that. Jason Smith and Joffrey Lupul got traded because Jason Smith was a core part of the Oilers team, and Lupul just didn't work out for that year. They went to Philly. The Oilers got back Yanni Pitkinen and Jeff Sanderson. Lupul had a couple good years in Philly before going to Anaheim and then eventually finishing his career uh, in Toronto. Rafi Torres was later traded for Gilbert Brule. There you go. Uh, Reed Wilkins has inside sports tonight. Is it a fluid show or what's he got shaking? It's not. Green and gold week, uh, Grey Cup week continues tonight. It's uh, Darius Bowman and Kenny Stafford who look back on the 2015 Grey Cup win. I'm actually watching the West Final here in the studio. And uh, sports columnist for Post Media, Steve Simmons as well. All right. Uh, tomorrow, uh, now normally uh, we have Brian Burke every Thursday for our friends at Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication solar. Brian has taken a little bit of a break, but will be joining us in a couple weeks. Rob Brown, our Inside the Game analyst on the Oilers Radio Network, will join us along with Sportsnet's Gene Principe to talk about Dave's Drive and George LaRock. That's who's coming up on the Thursday edition of Oilers Now. We will tell you that... Jalen Nye has the 6.30 Chad Afternoons, and uh, they will have a guest on that has connected uh, parents of the Humboldt Broncos impacted by the 2018 tragedy are calling on provincial and federal governments to require mandatory use of seatbelts in buses again. And uh, Michelle uh, Strashitsky will be joining Jalen today at uh, 2 p.m. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn, followed by the 6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.